Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's Jacqueline. And Alana. And here's another episode of Black and Yellow. Welcome back, Black and Yellow Nation. We are beyond happy to be chatting with you and having fun and having stimulating conversations while we proceed to live in political purgatory. Because at the time of this recording, we have no idea who our next president will be. Mm-mm. With that said, girl, how was your election day? Where, where, were you filled with dread and frustration the next day? And also just how are you in general? Oh, thank you so much. Um, I Yeah, it was, I'm still feeling it. Like, I still feel like... <laughs> Uh, I was telling you last night, I was like, I'm going to bed early because I need it. <laughs> um, yeah, I just feel like my body's been kind of tense all week. Um, and, and and that just the constant checking on my phone and the computer, that's been just kind of like uh, tiring. Like mm-hmm. I almost just want to just want someone to tell me, you know, like, hey, this is where president is. Like, I don't want to keep checking because it's just been what what are we? We're, we're Thursday. So three day three days now mm-hmm. um my election day was i mean i i i voted i sent my my um i mailed my ballot in um and then i just kind of was <laughs> i had this weird like empty feeling of like what's next and mm. and and i think because like you said 2020 has been a dumpster fire of a year um, I, I was kind of thinking, like, is someone going to pour alcohol over this fire or is someone going to, uh, you know, Man. get a fire extinguisher? Like, it just kind of feels like the flames are still there. <laughs> <laughs> are we going to get some accelerant poured on this dumpster fire or is someone going to put it out completely? It's right. a fair question. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, 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 and so, um, yeah, so it's, needless to say, it's it's been a little stressful. Um, but I'm doing my my best self care, mental you know mental care, all that stuff. Mm. Kind of, I've been like extra, like I have to do this today. I have to work out. No questions about it. No matter yeah. what, especially more within these days, you know. Yeah, I can't look at my phone. I can't check my notifications. I can't like I have to download all my podcasts before going on my run because I'm not trying to look at any sort of pop up anything. No, I totally feel you. Yeah. Um, and how, how are you? How was your day? It's, it was okay. I spent election day with two friends, which was nice. It was nice to to get out of the house and just sort of see, see my dodgeball friends. Um, I woke up on November 1st, meditated and in a fit, just like took down all of my Halloween decorations. Something inside of me was like, you have to be done with October. We're going into November. It's almost Super Tuesday. It's almost election day. Like you got to get ready. So I readied my house for election day, which just meant taking down all uh, Halloween decorations that are still now just Uh sitting in my front yard. Um... But yeah, it's like kind of hard to watch the news. I don't want to watch. I don't want to look at my phone. Like I don't want to engage in news media unless that engagement yields the answer to our next president. Like this limbo is awful. Yeah, I I think there's a sense of like self-preservation. Yeah. Like to to really to really make sure that we're we're staying healthy yeah um, yeah so yeah i feel you well let's switch gears to a happier topic 
Because let's talk about something that we, I don't think I've ever actually talked about. So I'm getting very excited about the potential for this next question. Jackie, did you read cartoons and or comics growing up as a kid? So I did actually. Oh, um, yeah. I um I read. There's this really funny Hong Kong kind of um cartoon comic book you could say. Um, but but as a kid, I read it a lot. Um, my brother has been drawing since he was two. Mm. Um, and his fiance, they're both artists. Um, and they both went to art center. So they're pretty serious and they're pretty legit and they're pretty amazing. Um, and they're currently working on a comic book right now. And so I've always been surrounded. Yeah. It's been really wonderful to get that, that, you know, we say like, there's so much in art, right? Like there's music, there's dance, there's sculpting, there's theater. And so it's so nice to like, because my most of my experience as an artist has been just like you want to in the more realm, theater realm, mm-hmm. in the performance. Human, yeah, the performance, um, you know, the dancing. And I think to be able to experience art on a whole different level, like drawing, mm has always blown my mind because I still draw like I did when I was in second grade. Um, you would never, you would never, you would never think that my brother and I are related in, in the sense if you saw our drawings. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, we watched up watch, uh, we grew up watching, um, what do you call those? Oh my gosh. I can't eat cartoons. Anime. Ah. Um, you know, we went to like comic book stores, you know, I got enough of that because he's, he's pretty nerdy, um, with that stuff. <laughs> which is great i'm gonna I tell jonathan it. you said that he he'll he won't care and denise did the artwork for your family's business if you hop on the plant love website there is a lovely hand-drawn piece of art yeah. of the family and that is denise's handiwork right it is yeah denise um she denise has worked in advertisement for a long time oh. so she's pretty good at uh just delivering quick um you know uh work and i know she's like struggled with some ad agencies because you can imagine what that's like oh yeah um yeah so she's worked in ad for a long time and she's she's also been drawing from a from a really young age and so she did the artwork for our family it's so cute um i think she captured all of us really well in it um so yeah i I was like i i get i get my side of like not is it like that's not visual art yeah um, i would say so yeah Yeah. i I get i get my side of visual art you know the painting Mm -hmm. the brushes the canvases the palettes they like know all about the different types of paints what to draw Ah. charcoal pencil figure drawing you know they go and like draw like these naked models i went with them once actually tell me more I pretended, so Art Center has these, I doubt they're going to listen to this. Art Center has these like open figure drawing sessions, figure Mm. drawing modeling sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, So you go there and it's a naked model and um, uh, you just sit with your like huge pad, like um, Mm. paper pad, and you just draw these naked models and they pose. Um, So I posed, I posed as a student and I went with Jonathan and and Denise once and... (laughs) I was like, I'm gonna be sur- I'm gonna be in a room with like 30 different artists, a naked model, and then there's me. And I, I you're feeling like self conscious. Yeah, yeah but, but then someone someone's gonna look at my at my drawing and wonder what the fuck is this girl doing in here? Um, and it was pretty funny. 
It was, it was, I was, I was super self-conscious and, um, I did the best that I could, but, but it, but it was, it was fun. And I, it just, I have so much admiration for them, for, for, for the artists who can see things, they can like untrain your naked eye. So like, Ooh, high compliment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when my brother explained to me how they look at things, they don't see it like you and I do right? Mm. They see the mm-hmm. way the light hits. They see the way they see where the shadow is. They oh. see the angle of something. They just they don't see it like me because I was trying to be like, why can't I draw this foot correctly? And he's like, you're totally looking at it differently. And so you're going to the psychology of how to look at it differently. So you can draw it and you don't see it as a foot. You see it as a series of shapes. And, um, I mean, I could all be saying all this wrong too, but it's, it's something where it's like, it's not a foot to, to me, to me and you, it's a foot, but to them it's not, it's a series of shapes. And then it's Mm. a series of colors, like light or like where the light hits and where the shadow is. Um, yeah, I want I know, evidence like of this blown. figure drawing class. I, I, I want evidence of your figure drawing class. I would like to see the foot that you drew in the, of that naked model. It sure doesn't look like a foot. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I love that. I, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I had no idea that you had this experience with figure drawing. Yeah. But that yeah. makes me so happy. Oh, my God. That was like the much needed... <laughs> Uh, uh, laugh and smile that I needed to kickstart this day Um, because I have no experience with comics with cartoons I've never drawn one and to be completely honest it really wasn't until the book of today's guest that got into my hands uh, and I was preparing for today's episode and I was preparing to read her book that I actually confronted my lack of comic book or graphic novel reading experience we will get to the distinction between a graphic novel and a comic book later on in the episode but yeah I was sitting with her book and I was like I've never done this. What is this? Yeah, like I've never read one of these. And so I cracked it open and was reading. This is how much I haven't done it. I was reading it vertically as opposed to horizontally. And my fiance was like, no, it's a book. Like you read it horizontally the way that you would read a normal novel. You're like, why isn't this story making yeah, any sense? Yeah, I was sense? like, wait, what am I doing wrong? But it really went to show me that, like, I really had denied myself that type of reading experience. And so I forced myself uh, right, to read it from right. cover to cover. I was like, no, you're doing this. Wow. Well, because I, I figured if I'm going to A, prep for this episode, but B, if this is a whole new experience for me, I'm diving in head first. Like, I'm doing it. Yeah. And... Uh, I guess in doing the mental time travel sort of thing to figure out why I had cast off comic books. I think I, I realized I had relegated them to a thing that boys read like comic comics are for boys. And I don't know where I absorbed that, but I think Mm. it very much stayed with me. And because it was never challenged, like I didn't, I wasn't necessarily around a plethora of comic books in high school and college, I think because I absorbed that messaging as a kid and it was never really challenged, um, it it stuck with me. And so it wasn't until getting today's guest's book and reading it from cover to cover that I changed my ways. So 
that's amazing. We're excited to have today's guest. She is yes. awesome. She's got a new graphic novel out. She is all about those female revolutionaries that have shaped and sculpted history. She's amplifying women's voices of the past. She's inspiring women of today. Y'all, we're so happy to have her here. You will love her. But before we get to her, let's put our money where our mouth is, shall we? Let's do it. So it's a very political time. We know the election just happened. And even though protests aren't happening daily the way they were at the start of the pandemic, that doesn't mean that you can't engage in protest every day. There's an everyday form of protest that you can engage in. It's called economic protest. You vote with your dollars, where you want to shop and whose wallets you want to fatten. That's up to you. And that power is within your control. So in this particular segment, it's called Put Your Money Where Your Mouth Is. We like to highlight a Black-owned business and an Asian-owned business to help you engage in economic protest. We want you to diversify your dollars, maybe not give to the big box industries. Amazon has enough of your money. Celebrate small, celebrate local, celebrate women, celebrate Black and Asian-owned, and this is the segment to do it. So Woo-hoo. with that, Jack, where are you putting your money in? Where are you putting your money? Um. Righty. So um, I found this really, really awesome company called OAS, and they stand for Oriental Art Supply. Um, ah! Yeah. Um, so uh, again, close to my heart. But so they are a 50-year-old family-run business started by the Ye family to share their 500-year-old family tradition of Chinese brush painting. Ooh. Um, yeah. So they have three generations of, of their family members serving their customers. Um, it was started um, in the early 1970s um, with their father teaching and demonstrating um, the spontaneous style of Chinese brush painting. So for those of you guys who aren't too sure, it's like, uh, how do I explain this? It's like, you know, when you, when you see like Chinese characters, um, the calligraphy, mm-hmm. it's like ink mm-hmm. and it's like really like drawn. You can't see me. I'm doing like drawing motions. <laughs> um, but you know, you've seen them in movies and you've seen them like posters. Yeah. It's like a, it's a style and it's, it's very, a big part of our culture. Um, and it's all about like discipline. There's a whole like Zen part that comes with it as well. Um, but they're online. Um, they're amazing. Um, they sell everything from brushes to paper, to mm. ink, to colors, accessory books. They have lessons, they have videos. Um, so, uh, check them out. They're orientalartsupply.com. Um, so they are they, they really stand behind what they have to offer. Um, the quality of these brushes are amazing. Um, I have a couple of calligraphy art brushes that I bought in Asia. Mm. Um, but looking at these images um, and watching some videos, I can see that it's just as equal to, to you know, what you would need authentically to create mm-hmm. Um you know, proper calligraphy. Um, so yeah, check them out and you can get 10% off your first order. Um, and then they also have free shipping for people in USA. Mm. So Shout out to Oriental Art Supplies, like keeping the tradition going since the 1970s. Talk about lasting power. I know, right? Well, I love what that you... Got? I love that you picked art supplies for personal use because I picked paint 
for anyone looking to engage in a little bit of home painting this fall and winter. So my business is called Claire Paint, C-L-A-R-E. Claire is a black woman-owned business on a mission to make paint shopping easy and inspiring so you can create a home you love. And let's be real, who isn't sick of looking at the same four walls that we've been looking at since March? If you're looking to take on a home painting project, consider Claire your color authority. So owner Nicole Gibbons, she's also an interior designer, saw that no paint brands were offering an easy or convenient way to shop for paint. So she decided to fix that. She's an expert in her field. Her design know-how has been featured by top media outlets like HGTV, Your Girl, The Oprah Winfrey Network, Good Morning America, and El Decor, to name a few. And Claire basically reimagined a whole new paint shopping experience with designer-curated colors, technology guide for you, mess-free paint swatches, and the highest quality paint and supplies delivered straight to your door. They use zero VOC paint paint and colorants, which means they're free of toxins and carbon-based solvents that pollute the air and pose health risks. And their paint is Green Guard certified. So I know you do, girl. If you are looking to get your paint on this fall and winter, check out Claire. If you are looking to do a little bit of calligraphy, a little bit of work in that realm, check out Oriental Art Supplies. We're going to drop links to both of these businesses in the show notes. Also, just a reminder, coming up on the holiday shopping season, I mean, consider Claire, consider Oriental Art Supplies for any gift-giving needs you may have. And with that, let's kick into today's guest intro, shall we? Because it's a good one. Absolutely. So, Marisa Akasella is the New York Times bestseller author of the graphic novels The Shebang and Antenna, the graphic memoir Cancer Vixen, and just who the hell is she anyway? (laughs) She's also a cartoonist for The New Yorker, and her work has appeared in The New York Times, Glamour, and The O. The Oprah Magazine. <laughs> she's a breast cancer survivor, and she's the founder of the Marisa Acosella Foundation, which, through grants from Bloomingdale's, funds the free Marisa Acosella Empowerment Program that includes holistic therapies and journaling classes and more for women with breast cancer and breast cancer survivors at the Mount Sinai Best Israel Comprehensive Cancer Center. Marisa used to live in New York City, and now she lives in Jersey City. And we're talking to her today. And Marissa, thank you for being with us on the Black and Yellow podcast. I'm so excited about being here with you too. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to start out by by letting everyone know that you have a very cool job. Yep. You are an author and cartoonist while slaying the patriarchy all at the same time. If that's not goals, I don't know what is. Tell us how you became a cartoonist. Okay, so first of all, like slaying the patriarchy and like anybody who gets in the way of like our goddess self, you know, deserves to get a kick in the ass. Let's just put it out there right now. Yes, right, right, right. Okay, so um, this is actually really funny, kind of a crazy story, kind of a roundabout kind of situation. Um, I started drawing this blonde bombshell. Well, I'm a fake blonde, really, but. I consider myself. That's okay. Long. You're still a bombshell. Okay. Oh, thanks. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, ever since I could remember, right? Um, my mom was a shoe designer. She designed shoes for Delman, 
right? Cool. And then actually, she wound up designing shoes for Jackie Kennedy when she was first lady and did the inaugural shoe at JFK's inauguration. Oh, yeah, my God. Awesome. Like yeah, yeah. So, like, my mom would do these trend reports, and she'd draw, like, these fabulous women wearing her fabulous shoes. And I was kind of, like, at four imitating her. So I started drawing, like, these women. And um, when I was about eight years old, we went to, like, our first family vacation that wasn't, like, the Jersey Shore. We went to <laughs> we went to Bermuda, and because my dad, like, saved up all this money, he's like, all right, we're going to go on a real vacation. So... Um, we wound up in this house that was like this pink elephant of a house. And there are all these like drawings on the walls with captions. And it was James Thurber's house, the iconic, iconic New Yorker cartoonist. Ooh. And I was like, wow, like the women I was drawing, they could actually talk. So uh -huh. that's when I started like thinking about putting words in the mouths of these women. Because quite frankly, I was getting bored with the blonde who was like not saying anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So... So I like went into like went to art school in Brooklyn, Pratt, went into advertising, totally forgot about the blonde bombshell, even though I was kind of mm. like sketching her. And in meetings when I was in advertising, I would, um, everybody thought I was taking copious notes, but I was drawing this blonde bombshell, right? <laughs> and then I drew her after one particularly annoying meeting at like one patriarchal client after another with, I drew the blonde bombshell with a gun in her mouth with a line she was a little upset during the meeting. From there, I started drawing this comic book, a cartoon character, and I did it after called She. It ran in Mirabella magazine. Yeah. Uh, and then I did a book. And while I was working on She, I had this idea. And as I was looking at like, it was, this was in the 90s. I was reading all these books about the goddess. I was totally mm. into like female power, divine feminine. Mm -hmm. Riot girl right. movement was happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all that. And I was like, wow, this is, there's something in here. And I got this idea for like the big she bang. Like, cause where, I mean, okay. A male God gave birth to all this. I mean, come on. <laughs> this does not make sense at not all. At all. Right? At right, all. right. So I was like, what? WTF. I had this yeah, idea yes. and it was like always this idea like percolating, percolating in the back of my mind. So here we are now. Like I wrote the big shebang finally. Amazing. Yeah. It's a badass book. That. It's a Thanks. great book. Well, you I know what? That. It's like if you are going to write a book about a goddess and the goddesses stories, which like, I mean, Eve, everybody thought she was like the scapegoat of like, you know, humanity. Well, no. Mary Eve was a total yep. badass hero, right. evolutionary yes. woman who basically, you know, brought us out of like Eden prison because Adam was like a, the first world's <laughs> first couch potato, like totally fine, like watching like, you know, watching birds fly and Eden, eating whatever fruit he wanted, like thinking life was good when Eve was like, no, it's not. We are like enslaved. Get out. Yeah. 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 For sure. Awesome. That's oh. amazing. I love, I love that whole story. So who inspires you as an artist, both in and out of the comic world? I know we may not know a lot of these artists, but let our, let our listeners know. Okay. So I guess who inspires me, um, as an artist? Well, first of all, I'm totally inspired by, um, some of the women who I wrote about, like, mm -hmm. Absolutely. like the Virgin Mary, I mean, the Blessed Mother. Mm -hmm. Who would have thought that, you know, she's 15, she's like, 
pregnant, right? She, Gabriel, this angel comes out of basically nowhere, right? I mean, her mother was actually, you know, a saint also, but you know, <laughs> Gabriel comes, I mean, that's like a whole other backstory. I could write a whole book about her, but Gabriel comes to her and he's like, Hey, Mary, you know, you're going to give birth to Jesus. It's going to be, you know, big fucking deal. It's a big deal. It's a big, can I, can I drop the F-bomb? <laughs> All right. Okay. Now it's really, I'm really going to let her rip. <laughs> Go for it. Let her rip. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So it's like a big fucking deal. Mary's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Literally, oh my God, what am I going to do? And, you know, she thinks about it and like, she's going to, she's not married. She's pregnant. And, you know, in the Bible, which I call the book written by about a bunch of men, about a bunch mm -hmm. of men, like talk about patriarchal. I mean, we could get into that because that is like a whole <laughs> like chapter in itself. Right. 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 I mean, she's like, well, you know, if she does this like biblical in the Bible, she could be stoned to death. Right. Right. True. She's going to she's going to marry Joseph, who, you know, was basically told by the spirit that he had to marry to Mary it. and he was yeah. like, I'm going to be the laughing stock of all 12 tribes of Israel. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So she's like, do I, I mean, I have to really do this. And she like risked divorce, death, being yeah. shamed like by her peers. Mm -hmm. And she was a total badass. She did it anyway. <laughs> exactly. She like operated on faith instead of fear. Like, if that isn't a total badass, what yeah. is, right? Yeah. That's a great mantra for life. Thank you for giving that to us and our view and our listeners. Because, yeah, operating in faith instead of fear, especially in a time like this, is will help you get through the day, if not the rest of this dumpster fire of a year, quite frankly. Yeah, now, this is a dumpster fire of a year. I mean, really? <laughs> like, you know what? I think we all shine. We need to all become light and, like, shine the hell out of like the planet right now that's yeah. what i think our job is i love that Ooh. yeah your job well, is I to raise like workers you know yeah, yeah. what'd you say i said like we're light workers we are light workers we're like beamers man mm -hmm. <laughs> we're beamers put on the high beams baby bless the planet I love it. with light I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk about the new graphic novel because okay. it's, it's out. At the time of this recording, it will be hitting newsstands. Oh, sorry, bookstores, I should say. It's called The Big Shebang, The History of the Universe According to God the Mother, as told to Marissa Ocosella. Congratulations on the book. Thank you so much. You talked, you touched a little bit about where the idea came from. I was hoping if you could maybe elaborate and why did you feel like it was important to write? Um, well, basically I was looking at what was going on with me too. And, and then like this whole Jeffrey Epstein thing and just like this whole patriarchal situation. And, and then I was thinking, you know what it's, and then the more I, Dug into it, I realized it wasn't even about men. It was like this whole agenda to squelch mm. women down and also humanity. And I was like, you know what, where did this start? What happened? And what happened to God the mother? What happened to the divine feminine, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I really began to 
dive deep into this whole situation. And, you know, I, I was always obsessed with God the mother to begin with. Uh, you asked me about some of the people that inspired me, and I was inspired by Elaine Pagels about her book on Gnostic, Gnosticism. I was inspired by Nag Hammadi. Like, this is a whole interesting thing. Like, Nag Hammadi, they found the Nag Hammadi scrolls right in 1947, which was the same time that um, Area 51 happened. So like, there's this all this weird stuff that's being revealed ah. on the planet, and which was like the true story of humanity. And, and it was mm -hmm. like Eve, and then there's like all these other histories about the divine feminine, about God the mother. And I was like, these are stories that really need to be told, right? Mm -hmm. That, you know, like when the Nag Hammadi thing happened, I called that divine, instead of divine intervention, divine feminine intervention. Because it's like, we have been bubbling. We've been grounded. We have been squelched. We have been buried. It's time that we raise up, rise up, and speak the truth. So basically, that's what this book is about. This is about, like, the, the telling of the story about what really happened, who these women really are, and the heroism that they exhibited. And, and why, why do we let men tell our stories? It's been his story for how long? Right. It's her story yeah. now. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's yeah. not to say that we cannot coexist, right? Because like, it's all about balance. I mean, you, you bring somebody up doesn't mean you have to squelch somebody. It's we all rise. Mm. Right? right, because like the whole thing about Eve, right? That whole story when when Eve came on the planet, like Adam was just this in the book. Adam was just this inanimate man, object, yeah. object like molded out of like clay, and like the demigod yelled about <laughs> that, who's one of the villains in the book. He's like trying to breathe life into him, but he had no soul. So how could Adam? And mm -hmm. then God, the mother, sent. Eve. Her name yep. was Zoe, which means life. And Eve saw him and her second thought, besides the first thought, which was, oh, he's really handsome, right? Right. <laughs> her second thought was like, you know, I want to like breathe life into him. And she does. And she gives him his soul. It's Eve who gives Adam life. She didn't come mm -hmm. from his rib. That was just a whole story devised by the patriarchy, by the demigod, by like, you could call them the globalists now, whatever you want to call them, because it's the same entity right now that's yeah. still on the planet, right? But that's when the divide and conquer humanity master plan was put into place and it's still going on right now. That's why I think these stories are all really crucial. Ooh. Yep. Uh, the, you said that the book either came to you in a fever dream or it's written as though it is a fever dream. It's kind of a little bit of both. I a mean, you could say that um, uh, I haven't really, like the whole time I was writing this book, I didn't really date anybody because like I was taking <laughs> these books into my bedroom and the goddess would not let me share my bed with anybody. So like, there you go. They're a bunch of divas. They're very like territorial. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're just taking up the space that they know they own. They're just That's taking right. it up. Why not? Who am I to argue? I am just a mere conduit. You there are. you go. Mm -hmm. And for us lay people, can you quickly talk about the difference between a graphic novel and a comic book? Just so that we're working off the same definition. Okay, so like, I mean, graphic novels, they're basically 
hard copies, a lot of them, some are and some are soft copies, but they're more, um, I'm not saying that comic books aren't literature, they are, but these are written as books, but they're, they have a visual component, right? As, uh, and yeah. a lot of them don't really deal with superheroes like comic books do. Got it. So okay. that's part of it. As, you know, and sometimes I've heard like, you know, graphic novels, aren't they supposed to be funny? Well, no, like Mouse is that funny? Persepolis is that funny? I mean, huh. it's a whole different entity on its own. So I would say that, you know, graphic novels are kind of like, you could say graphic, at first I used to say graphic novels are like comic books, comic books for adults, but they're really not because there's like YA graphic novels. So they're more mm. like book, they're kind of a hybrid between a book and a comic book. And they're 100% entertaining, I oh, will tell you. you. Okay. It's a lot easier to retain information when what you're looking at on a page feels almost three-dimensional in ways, and I'm way, my, in, in my imagination is way more engaged than reading two-dimensional words flat on a page and like having to conjure up the images as I'm reading. Mm -hmm. I loved this. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Well, a lot of work went into actually the visual component, which... I mean, it's much harder to write a graphic novel, I think, than it is to write a book because you have to basically draw everything. The drawing takes a shit ton of time. And not only that, it's like, what does a ziggurat temple look like in ancient <laughs> Samaria? Okay. <laughs> what kind of headdress were they wearing in Babylon? You know, what sandals yeah, was process. like Mary totally. Magdalene wearing? You know, it's kind of like that. I mean, who knew Mary Magdalene could look like Jessica Rabbit? Your Mary Magdalene is like a smoking hot. I was a fan. She, Mary Magdalene was smoking hot. Yeah, yeah definitely. She, Mary Magdalene to me is like, first of all, I love Mary Magdalene so much, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But her story, I mean, I wanted to make the story raw and real and really sort of get into like who she was as a person because we've all heard these bits and pieces of Mary Magdalene. And it's been like, was she married to Jesus? Was she like, you know, that whole like she prostitute, was, a whore. Was she a like, prostitute, yeah. a whore. Yeah. You know, but like, who was Mary Magdalene really? And I didn't want to just like sugarcoat Mary Magdalene because that wouldn't do her justice. And if I did, right, then that would rob a whole generation of women, all of us, by like not owning her sexuality, right? Mary Magdalene yeah. had a sexuality to her. She did, right? She was, she was hot. She was hot. And why take yeah. that out of her, that aspect out of her? Why not right. own it and infuse it with the sacred, right? Mm -hmm. And That's also- That's a rule for life. What's that? That's a rule for life. It is a rule for life, right? Mm -hmm. And the fact that she, you know, was who she was. I mean, she was a princess right? At 16. Okay. She right. was going to Babylon with her caravan. Her father gave her this huge dowry. He basically wanted to make money off his daughter. He really wanted a son, right? He was a king of one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay. So, you know, she's on this caravan and what happens is the, these thieves, basically the whole yelled about entity again, you know, that whole, mm -hmm. you know, entity that basically was still trying to squelch humanity they they kill like the maids the drivers and they sex traffic mary magdalene Mary's. at 16 mm -hmm. right so 
And then she has this higher calling and she realizes who she is and comes back and goes to meet Jesus. It's really a love story. Mm. I mean, it's such a love story. And there's like a triangle between Jesus, St. Peter and Mary Magdalene. Mm-hmm. Scandalous. Scandalous. A Christian jealous of Mary Magdalene. <laughs> and he should have been because Mary was the number one apostle. She was the apostle who knew all. I mean, she mm. was a total badass. How could you not love Mary Magdalene? Right. Because if you went to Catholic school like I did, you and pretty I did. much are told, yeah, so you're pretty much told straight on she was a bad woman, because let's be real, in like second grade, no one's calling someone a prostitute, but it was always, she's a bad woman, and she was always uh, glazed over in favor of the Virgin Mary, like right. the preferred Mary. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, I do, yeah. yeah. And in Catholic school, you're like, oh, okay, well, I heard she was this, or I heard she was that. There's no room for that when you're like in fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth grade. Your Catholic teachers are not allowing you to think freely like that. So this book is really important. Thank you. Well, I and talking about thinking freely, we're not like when were we ever really allowed to think freely, right? When were we ever allowed to question? There's a whole other. That's a whole other. That's a whole other episode. But I also like we could go on and on. Yeah, okay. I mean, are your thoughts your own? We could really like go down that right. rabbit hole. I mean, how many rabbit yeah. holes do we have in this conversation? True. Really, right? But <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about the big shebang. Um, it feels like a tribute to many of the she evolutionaries who have come before us. Yes. And you call these women goddesses, saints, sinners, and real-life women. Um, and retells their stories from a woman's perspective as opposed to a misogynistic and overly virtuous male point of view. Mm-hmm. Did you intend to challenge or understand um, the perceptions of these women, many of whom have been vilified, um, maligned, or erased? I absolutely history. wanted to challenge the patriarchal patriarchal view. I mean, why should we let a misogynist culture or the the men or whoever is writing the books define who we are? We need to be our own voice. We need to tell our own stories. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, that was a huge part of it. And the more I dug into it, the more I realized there's, there's one missing piece of our history that we don't even know about. And that is the goddess Sophia. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. okay, here, take Sophia, right? Okay. <clears throat> so Sophia, we all know that there was a divine son, Jesus, right? right? Mm-hmm. Did uh-huh. we ever think that might, there might be a divine daughter? I had not until reading this book. I will, you called me yeah. straight out because I had ne- that had never con- crossed my mind ever. Same. Right. So like, because we were not taught to even question why is there not a divine daughter, right? Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, yes. I went to Catholic school too. I got hit with a ruler on the hand by Sister Bedalius, right? And <gasps> put in you the corner because I was like outspoken. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they don't like taught, that in Catholic school. Yeah. We're taught not to speak and just take it in, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so there's like this, this whole story, right? About God the mother, God the father. Okay. And mm-hmm. they live in the Pleroma, which is heaven. God the mother gives birth to the entities, to the aeons, like Elilith and the angels. And Elilith is like another character in the book. I kind of saw him as like an angelic Robert Plant in a way. Yeah, you did. I did. I was like, all right, I'm going to admit to it. He 
was kind of like my model. Like, because <laughs> like, who's like foxier than Robert Plant? I'm sorry with that bulge when he's singing a whole lot of love. I am sorry. All right. So, hot over here in the studio. I know, I know. So anyway, I digress. So there is, okay. So God, the mother gives birth to like, the divine Sophia. son, the divine daughter, Sophia, right? They're the Sigis, the divine, the twin flames. And they're tasked with creating the DNA of, or the Anthropos, which was the blueprint of humanity, okay? Mm-hmm. And Sophia wanted to be like her mother who created the universe with God. I mean, God in the book is the first virgin birth. I mean, right. really, when you think about it, where did God come from? He came from the mother. There you go, right? <laughs> she kind of gave birth to herself. So there you right. go. Okay, so so Sophia, right? She wants to be like her mother. She's got this creative impulse herself. And Christos, her Sigi twin, right? Yep. Just wants to like create in the lab. So she decides like she's going to go off and experience creation on her own. God is like, wait a minute, there is this law of creation. What's the law of creation? The law of creation is a law of balance, right? Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to do what I want. She defies God. So even though God the mother's like, don't do it. And she takes this leap out of the Pleroma, out of heaven, mm-hmm. out of like sweetness and light and beauty and everything else and dives right into the void and out right. of fear, and because she's so creative, because she has a creative impulse in her, she gives birth to this abortion. This She doesn't have like the balance of the male. She gives birth to this abortion, which is the demon Yaldabaoth. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the trouble starts. Right. And, that's, and Yaldabaoth is the one who thinks that he can create on his own, and he's the one who makes right. Adam out of clay. So, mm-hmm. and that's where the balance of power or imbalance of power starts. And that starts the divide and conquer humanity master plan because he wants dominion over man. So, but that's right. like a miss, a true missing piece of our history history, right? Because mm-hmm. we have, I mean, in order for humanity, I think to come together and unify, especially now in this time of extreme division, Right. And yeah, this right. time of like men versus women, black versus white, white, white uh, yellow versus white. Um, we need all the pieces of the puzzle that we could get. We need, we need all of the information that we could get. Right, right, right. Red versus blue, Democrat versus Republican, Christian right. versus Jew. Whatever. And it's all I mean, it goes on and on and on. But yeah, that 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 basic chasm is what we need to what I think we need to heal and come together and as one, as humanity to evolve and escalate and basically heal the planet because let's face it, this is about mother earth, right? Mm -hmm. And the original mother, the the original mother earth, who, by the way, there's a little reveal in the end of the book about who mother (laughs) earth truly is. Yep. Because it all comes back to Sophia. What's that? Mother Earth made me want to wear blue lipstick. I know, after I always want to wear blue lipstick, but you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, one of the, the most brilliant things about this book was that you made history and these historical figures feel exciting by making the reader feel like we were on this epic feminist journey side by side with these women. 
This book has a ton of forward momentum infused in its pages. And the women have true stakes in the book. And I think that that feeling of movement has a lot to do with the fact that it is a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. What's it like to create a book with historical characters telling historical stories with a cartoonist's eye? Well, I mean, there's a lot of elements that go into it. Not only did I want to get their voice down, I, I really wanted them to speak to me. Like I said, I was going to bed with every single goddess. I was like a goddess slut. I was a saint and god. I was a goddess and saint slut, basically. Sounds like so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it kind of was going to bed like with every party, one of them. Yeah, I did have a party, you know, <laughs> a blockout patriarchal. Yeah, party, that right. sounds like a great party. <laughs> yeah, it was. So, um, so yeah. Not only did I have to, I wanted to want to get their voice right. I had, I wanted to make sure that I got their look right and their gestures mm-hmm. right. And like, take the goddess Inanna for instance. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. was like, she's an extreme narcissist. She is all about her. Mm-hmm. She's an egomaniac. Um, <laughs> I did find her somewhat likable until I didn't. Ooh, what happens then when you don't like someone that you're creating? Okay, so here was the thing. While I was doing research on Inanna, right? This is a crazy, crazy ass story. Um, okay, I was doing all this research on Samaria, on Inanna, mm. like reading all these books, blah, blah, blah. And like, why does, and why is Inanna, why does why is she not like a big goddess in the goddess pantheon, right? I mean, right. did you ever hear of Inanna before this? Not many no. people. Okay, not no. many people have. She's also known as Ishtar. I mean, all these goddesses, they have all these other incarnations, but Inanna yeah. is the original one. So why did I not hear about Inanna? I mean, she was like the goddess of war, goddess of fertility, goddess of love, mm-hmm. goddess of justice, goddess of this, goddess of that. She was like the number one goddess in Samaria and, and Babylonia. So I was like, God, I mean, not is so great. Why have I not heard about her? And I was like, I wrote her like 15 different times, 15 different ways, right? Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I was really happy with what I wrote until um, I was just double checking my research and I opened up a book. It was Barbara Walker's book. And I saw that Anana had this fertility ritual called Heroes Gamos where she had the cigarette temple and she had right. all these goddesses and a, a goddess, a female human goddess would be her and she mm-hmm. would choose a king. The kingship goes through like Anana, right? She chose, mm-hmm. she would choose the king. So the king would have this hero's game of rituals. They would have sex, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. Like the goddess chooses a guy, you know, like that's mm-hmm. awesome. But then I found out it was Bumble before Bumble. Yeah, exactly. But this is what happened, <laughs> right? The king got sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Like they would kill the guy. Right. And I was like, yeah. human sacrifice. Okay. I read about that like close to Christmas. My birthday's on Christmas. And I was like really deeply disturbed by this. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. So here I am totally like freaked out. I'm like about to finish this book. Mm-hmm. And then, and and I'm doing the art, and then all of a sudden, like Christmas Eve rolls around, right? I'm in my, I'm like on my iPad, I'm doing a sleepover with my twin 11 year old nieces, right? <laughs> like they're sleeping in the bed, I'm sleeping on like a 
you know, one of those air mattresses. Oh, They're like yeah. on their iPads. They're like, hey, Teresa, what do you think of this? I'm like, you girls, will you, aren't you supposed to be sleeping and waiting for Santa Claus for fuck's sake? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm like doing research about Inanna because I'm really disturbed about this human sacrifice component. And then I realized, right, that they have the fertility ritual in the spring to like make the mm -hmm. grains grow, right? And then mm -hmm. they kill the guy because like that's like what propels like the energy to make the oh, grains I grow, see. right? But the, the goddess has a baby that's born on Christmas. I'm reading this on Christmas. My birthday's on Christmas. It's a triple thing, right? Happy birthday. Happy, Happy birthday, Merry birthday. Christmas. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I've got to fucking rewrite Anana because like they are like, these goddesses are having babies on Christmas. I'm born on Christmas. This is really weird. And then I read that the babies that are born on Christmas, they're sacrificed in the spring ritual. I'm like, they're sacrificing babies? Oh my God. That is it. I got to rewrite this. I don't know if I love Anana anymore. In fact, I don't. I got to rewrite her. I got to change oh her look. I got to change her own life. This is totally fucked up. What is deep enough. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's why we haven't heard about Inanna. Like, no man writing any sort of historical book wants to say that women were given the power to choose their mate and then cast him off once she was done. And he yeah. will essentially become, like, the grains that we will feast on. Exactly. And nothing more. Like, mm, yeah, and exactly. their child. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How women I mean, her. to be honest, like, the man thing, that, like, totally freaked me out. But the baby thing... Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And I'm sure being a Christmas baby, you were like, what the fuck? If but, I were yeah, back yeah, in those yeah. times, I would have been a sacrifice baby. That's what I thought. In fact, I was <laughs> like, I, you know what else I thought? Okay, it was like, oh my God, why am I reading this? Why am I reading this on Christmas? Why was I born on Christmas? Why are those babies sacrificed oh, no! on Christmas? Was I one of those babies in that man past life? You went down that rabbit hole. Oh my God. <laughs> I totally did. I'm like, I was one of the sacrifice babies. That's what I thought. I was like, maybe I, I was. I don't know. But I would have thought the same thing. Same, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very normal human response. I was yeah. like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> what does this all mean? Exactly. I know. I know. I'm very well, sensitive about babies. Oh my God. I was like, totally freaked. That's actually been a perfect segue into my next question because you're using history, but then you're using, you're telling us history, but then you're also using this really fun vehicle. It's kind of fun and playful and teasy and it gives you more liberties than I would imagine like writing a normal novel. Right, right. Do you find it, did you find it easier to convey the narrative of these women in cartoon form? Did you feel freer to do it that way? I did actually. And I did because Ooh. they can, speak to me in gestures they didn't even mm -hmm. have to talk they could just give a look and they could I just ah. it was an easier way for me because I'm an artist I think I'm an artist first to convey the emotion to convey mm -hmm. their spirit to convey like who they are in the physical form mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by drawing them so yeah. yeah I mean it's definitely my way of this is my method of choice for sure yeah, like I thought the art was super important. Like what what they look like to me was crucial. Oh, you know right. what? Speaking of my eleven year old nieces, twin nieces, right? Please. All right, so I would go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art and take them, and we would always always go to the Egyptian wing, right? Oh my god, I love that. I love, I love that. that. Yeah, I love. Oh. I love. I especially always love the Egyptian wing. So 
as I went there, I saw like Hathor, like the the sisters, right? Yeah. Those little, um, they're kind of like Moroccans or symbols or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. Hathor was like this party goddess. She was kind of cool in that regard. So, you know, I saw that. I saw uh, stuff on Isis and Mm -hmm. Osiris and Sekhmet, who's another Mm -hmm. questionable goddess. But but yeah, so... No questionable, all goddess. Yeah, yeah. So then I saw like this bracelet that had like the the snake bracelet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as I was doing my research for Mary Magdalene, she talked about the bracelet. It was the same bracelet, the Egyptian snake bracelet. So, yeah, as I was doing research, I saw, like, the stuff that I was writing about. Interesting. It was a great way for me to do the visual research because everything was in that museum. Wow. So how many times did you go to the Met in making this book? Now I just have to ask. I mean, I think I went about five times. Okay. Yeah. That's a nice amount. But also, you know what else happened? Okay, like the Cleopatra Needle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I would take walks and I'm a big walker. It just frees my head. You know, when you're like sitting on your ass all day, you just need a little bit, you know, you have a whole world in your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Walks. Yeah. You've got all the goddesses in your head. I mean, like, really, I need yeah, to like hear my voice for change every once in a while it would help. Right. So, um, yeah. So I went to go see Cleopatra's needle just, because I was reading about like the matrix Mm -hmm. and about uh, the PowerPoints of like, you know, like Stonehenge was like, was like a key part of the matrix. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to go there and, you know, I'm going to ask because I'm on, I thought I was on this higher frequency speaking to God, the mother and mother earth, if they have any message for me, I was like kind of feeling uncomfortable because God, the mother, she was white. I didn't want to make mm. her Caucasian. I didn't. I wanted to make her like somebody who everybody could relate to. So mm-hmm. I totally went there, and the message was make her more of a spirit, which I did. So I totally changed her. I didn't give her skin tone. I made her somebody. It's so that, interesting because I was like, she's metallic silver, of course. Like, yeah, that she's is metallic God silver. She has like yeah. purple hair with like gold. Yeah. But For yeah, sure. Yeah, I didn't want her make her any color. I wanted to make her like spirit. Yeah, Interesting. Like divine. Yeah. Spirit, which yeah. which could come in any <sighs> form. Exactly. And, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Was, oh my god! Now was, I'm seeing her so differently now after like reading the book. Oh my god! I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting how like I was always getting these crazy messages at the right time, right? <laughs> like Christmas. Like, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So fast. Yeah, that was, that's, wow, holy shit. Who knew? Holy shit is right. Holy shit, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I like was really stuck on that fact for a second, but it totally blows my mind open into, as to how I read God the Mother last night and how I will think about her forever and forevermore. So thank you for that. Oh, you. Um, I think the mark of a great podcast guest is when their work challenges a limiting belief that we have about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And for me, your work has done that because before reading the big shebang, I was very quick to shirk off like comic book reading. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I hadn't realized that I had relegated comic book reading to a thing that boys and men did. Mm -hmm. And the receipt of your book forced me to challenge that notion head on Mm -hmm. and correct that way of thinking. So 
Thank you for that. I believe I I spoke to you off air or off mic. Sorry about um, you like busted my graphic novel cherry. So thank you I for that. I kind of love that I busted your graphic novel I, cherry. I love can it. I, can you I use with... that? I mean. <laughs> yes, do it. You've slept with all these goddesses and like you're popping cherries now. Look at you go. Yeah, thanks. I love that. <laughs> um, do you think gender stereotyping affects the comic book world and how are you fighting to change those stereotypes in your work how are you inviting more people into your world well i have to say when i for, when i wrote my first graphic novel in 1990 was it 94 yeah wow. i mean people were like how do we sell this what what is a graphic oh, novel oh, right I, i'm sure yeah i'm like well you know dr seuss wrote kind of graphic novels you could sort of call that maybe one. yes right but then there was also mouse right yes okay so i was like mouse and they're like well we don't understand how to you know sell this and so it was like a very male dominated field at that point there weren't very mm. many graphic novels there were mangas so mm-hmm. yeah i mean a manga is like a that is a graphic novel right it's a yeah. japanese graphic novel so like they didn't understand how to sell it and then gradually more and more women started writing them. So I feel like it's definitely something that is def- up and coming before when I first wrote just who this show, hell is she anyway, she again. Um, I mean, there was no, like, maybe there was like one graphic novel. There was like a little tiny bookshelf that was like, you know, it was like yeah. a quarter of a quarter of a quarter of a bookshelf. Right now there's like, you know, huge, huge, huge sections of, it, yeah. of graphic novels. So, yeah, you know, yes. I think it's only going to expand and get even bigger. So I think there's a huge future for graphic novels. So that is really positive. Great. And I think more and more people are, are getting into drawing them. We're seeing everybody write graphic like novels. movies are being made from graphic novels. Yeah. Scripts are being created from graphic but, novels. And also TV because shows. you see it, back to your point, about, you know, seeing the actual drawings and the images I think that really helps mm-hmm. oh absolutely I think if I think in terms of making art from it it's almost already been pre-storyboarded yeah yeah so I mean really exactly nice the, kind of you're see, exactly like, right I mean I, exactly right. I mean, the graphic novel is actually a storyboard. You could say a graphic novel is a storyboard in book form, right? Ah, I like that. Yeah, ah, yeah. I never yeah. thought about that. And it's also, yeah. And also you could say, like, when you're writing graphic novels, you're like the god of your universe, really. You I mean, you can do anything you want. Yeah, you can do anything you want. You're the writer. You're the set right. decorator. You're the casting director. You're the lighting director. You're the set designer. You're the script girl. Oh my God, continuity issues. Mamma mia. (laughs) Talking about mother. The mother of all issues is the continuity issue. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, I'm like, Marisa, her hair is shoulder length in one frame and like down her ass in another. Can you please get your shit together, please? <laughs> what kind of a director are you? Sorry, script girl. I totally oh, fucked up great. again. I love that. <laughs> that's um, awesome. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think I would have ever thought about that oh. tiny little, very important detail. But no. I can see how it can really creep up and annoy the hell out of you when you see on page 56 that the hair is longer than it should be i mean yeah if I, yeah that is really an annoyance i mean or the like maybe the eye color shifts slightly how did that happen yeah. Right, right. yeah yeah i mean well 
that goes to show why your experience is so important. And I mean, you've been drawing forever. You, you're an artist, like you said, first more, first and foremost. So I think all of that experience really helps when you do a project like that. Um, you are a cartoonist for the New Yorker, which is basically like, like the cartoon version of being a cast member on SNL. I think that is so badass. Um, which means you follow in a long line of funny female cartoonists who have made their way into our hearts over the years. What is that? What is it like to carry on that legacy? Well, I have to say that um, I'm really happy to be part of that whole continuum and group. I from like uh, Roz Shast to my friends who are now just uh, really kicking ass at this point, like Sophia Warren. And mm -hmm. I just, you know, I think they're pretty amazing. My friend Hillary, I just, you know, um, it's really a great group of women, Amy, Amy Wang. And I, yeah. so it's kind of great in getting to know these women also on a personal level. You know, a lot of them are my friends, so. Yeah, That's it's a great awesome. group to be in. Um, mm. And you know, and also like the guys too, you know? I mean, I have like great guy friends. Oh, yeah, 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 the guys are cool. Yeah, yeah the yeah, guys are cool, sure. like Sam Gross and, you know, Bob Eckstein. Yeah, so it's it's great. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's kind of difficult to get in there. And, you, you know, every week is like, a, it's being a cartoonist, it's, you know, a life of rejection, basically. You get right. rejected like 99 times and then like maybe one time you get something in so i mean mm -hmm. it's not it's not easy you gotta like you gotta wear a lot of hats you gotta do that you gotta write books you gotta do this i mean you gotta illustrate you gotta uh, there's like oh yeah yeah you've got to do so much just to stay afloat and especially we'll now this we get it for yeah, sure yeah yeah especially now right in this economy yes. holy shit so yeah so yeah but i mean it's fun i i love being a part of it and I love the New Yorker. Like I said, you know, I saw James Thurber's drawings on on that wall oh, in that house in Bermuda, yeah. right? When I was yeah. eight years old, and he was a New Yorker cartoonist. I bought all his books and like started reading the New Yorker at eight. So wow, that's wow, amazing. that's where that's where that comes that. from. Yeah, badass. You're yeah. a smart eight year old. Holy <laughs> shit! The seed was planted. The seed yeah. was planted. Yeah. Yeah, but that I forgot so, went into advertising, so there you go. Oh. <laughs> uh, so going back a little bit about what you were saying about how originally and, and possibly still definitely the comic book industry is a male-dominated one, um, what advice would you give to female or non-binary cartoonists looking to find success in the comic, um, graphic novel, cartoonist industry? Um, well, I would say what I say to my 11 year old nieces who uh, are, are figuring out who they are at the moment, just, yeah. you know, sit down and draw and let it come to you. And the more you do, the more you have, the more you have, the more you can show. I love that. And then it could, you whatever you're doing could maybe become a book or a movie or a game or a comic strip, whatever. But it's yeah. just like, just do it. And just, it starts off with just starting out every day and every day leads to another day. And the more you work, the more you have. Your nieces are really, really lucky to have you. Cause that was really great advice that I feel like <laughs> I wish my aunts would have given me at their age, but I, I never got it. So I'm, I'm 
envious of your nieces. Well, I'm really lucky to have those two. Mm-hmm. And twins, are they identical or are they fraternal? They're fraternal. So oh, that's yeah. nice. How yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, they're they're fun. I yeah, they're pretty awesome. So uh, closing this out, what uh what messages or message would do you hope that readers take from the big she bang? Um I would say celebrate who you are, right? That would be one thing. Don't be afraid of letting the world know what your story is. We all deserve to have our stories out there. Don't let anybody speak for your, for you. Like Speak for yourself. Speak your truth. Um, whatever we've been told, question everything. Right? Definitely question everything. Because history, how do we know history is even true? Right? Because, like, there's that whole bit about Hypatia, you know, in the Library of Alexandria. And where did those Mm -hmm. books go? Well, we know where those books went, right? (laughs) Theoretically. But I think that's very maybe true. So, yeah, Vatican Library, just saying. Um, That's another rabbit hole, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I really think, like, we need to question everything and not, like, just ingest, but, like, spit out the questions. Mm-hmm. So good. So, yeah, that's what I would say. And have I fun. Read a, I read a book. You said? I'm sorry. Did you say, and also have fun, Marissa? Yeah, I said, have fun, yeah. But I think also, like, we should all maybe try to, be a little bit nicer to each other and oh, yes. more about unity as opposed too much division. Yeah. 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 Kindness is a virtue. I think that we have definitely forgotten that. Yeah. Yeah. This time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's get to some, some like rapid fire fun questions. Shall we speaking of fun? Yes. Okay. These are rapid fire questions just so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. First just answer the first thing that comes to mind. There are no wrong answers. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. There's, is that a good answer? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question number one, who's your favorite feminist throughout history? Uh, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I would say Mary Magdalene. Okay. Perfect. Who's your favorite comic? Tiffany Jones. And your favorite artist? Caravaggio. Book that left a lasting impression on you. Harriet the Spy. Oh, wow. Love that, actually. Uh, what's, what would your last meal on earth be? Uh, cheeseburger and fries. Mm. My mother's hummingbird cake. Mm. John Duya chocolate. Wow. Did it all. Yeah. yeah. Anything to drink? Uh, chocolate milkshake, some red wine. Um, and then maybe like a little sherry or something, maybe some port. I love the way you eat. We could eat together. Like, yes. Yeah, I love yeah, it. yeah. And I would be smoking cigarettes because it's, yes. it's my last fucking day on earth. Why not? <laughs> I miss oh, those damn like cancer sticks. the first of our yeah. guests that's just like on all out. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. It's like, love why not so just much. eat like the worst possible shit that you love? Right, mm-hmm. it's your last fucking day for fuck's sake. Do all the drugs. Yeah, do all yeah, the yeah, things. Do all Why the not? Drugs. Maybe I try heroin for the first time, even. The last day on earth. I mean, hey, why not? Why not? That's great. What, uh, what's a recipe that you cannot stop making in quarantine? Uh, 
Oh, you know what I was making? I was taking this like super food kind of pasta thing. I can't remember the name of it, but I was making that uh, with, it's like this pasta made with like lentils and vegetables, Mm. right? It was really good with butter and blue cheese, like mac and blue cheese. Oh, mac and blue cheese. That sounds awesome. It was really good. Ooh. I love how you have like something really healthy made with veggies and then you pick no. butter and blue in cheese. In the beginning of the quarantine, I was having mac and blue cheese, baby. Ooh, I love that. that New doing salads, but up. Yeah, but that was really good. And That's the butter is crucial, like Kerrygold butter from Ireland. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, yeah. The, like a high butter fat butter is what yeah, I'm like hearing Yeah, like buttery in that. butter, like from like the fields in mm. Ireland. I the mean, Irish, like, yeah, in Ireland. Yeah, like if you get a splurge on something, do it with butter, right? Um, like Marissa, my have... waistband is already mad that you suggested <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go have some butter and toast. There you go. Like that's all about the butter, baby. Yum. And not What's not your... in like a last tango in Paris kind of way either. <laughs> I'm talking on toast. Okay. It's a very sexy interview, I have to say. Uh, what is your go-to music during quarantine? Oh, actually, I was listening to uh, Chris Cornell mostly, Ooh. believe it or not. Okay. Then I some Liz Fair, Liz Fair, I was listening to her, Garbage. I, oh, 90s Blast. I love it. I okay. Doing, the Breeders, I was doing that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What is one thing you miss the most in quarantine? Um, I miss... I miss like wearing lipstick. I think my lipsticks are like turn smelling like plastic right now. What's the preferred color? Um, it depends. Like right now, I'm kind of into the nude thing, but I was mm. uh, like a deep red. I was kind of doing like um, a deep blue. That was kind of Ooh, fun. Ooh, okay. I was, yeah. So, I mean, I feel like the goddesses would totally be fine if you just slapped on some red or blue lipstick to go to the grocery store, even if just you knew you had it on. Like, I feel like that's a total badass goddess move right there. I mean, yeah, it has not stopped me from wearing it when I go okay. out now. But I mean, yeah, like, yeah, but like in the beginning of quarantine, you're like, who was wearing lipstick really, right? <laughs> this is very true. Yeah. Mask. How can we strengthen our feminism practice in quarantine? Uh, that's a good question. I think basically just by just telling our story, telling our stories fearlessly. Love that. Okay. Who was your favorite Shevolutionary to draw slash write about? Well, besides like obvious Mary Magdalene and the <laughs> Virgin Mary, uh, I loved Hypatia. Okay. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And finally, what's your last, what was the last purchase that you made that really excited you? Last purchase I made that really excited me. Well, I've been drinking so much black coffee. Okay. I, got like, <laughs> I got some crest white strips. <laughs> I okay, no, that totally, yeah, absolutely. White teeth will absolutely make me excited too. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, my teeth are kind of brown. I'm glad this is a podcast. It's like I got coffee stains right now. So. <laughs> we cannot see that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, thank God. <laughs> Marissa, thank you so 
much for doing this interview with us. But last but not least, how can our listeners get in touch with you, keep in touch with you? Where can we buy the book? We want all of the plugs. Okay, so we can get the book. I recommend going to independent bookstores, asking for the book there. Uh, I go to... I'm doing a, an event at Word Bookstore, but any local mm. bookstore will do. Go in and ask for the book. Um, then you could find me on Instagram at Marisa Acachella or Twitter, Marisa Acachella, M-A-R-I-S-A-A-C-O-C-E-L-L-A. Uh, on Facebook, same. And that's where I am. Please find me. Please like check out the big shebang, baby. <laughs> We will drop links to all of those places to follow you in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank, Thank you so much for taking the time. That was really fun. That was my most fun ever, really. I'm glad. And congratulations again on the book, just in time for the holiday season for any of you guys that are looking to do some gift shopping. Check out The Big Shebang. That's our episode, guys. Thank you so much for being here. I am Alana Webster at Renegade Fun on the Gram. I'm Jacqueline Chung-Yung on the Gram. We're also at Black and Yellow Podcast on the Gram. You can find us on iTunes, um, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. <laughs> I always mix up the two. Um, and we hope to uh, hear from you guys and let us know what you guys 